Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. A pleasant good Wednesday morning to each and every one of you. We welcome you to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us in a variety of ways. Go to YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you please subscribe to the program if you're able. We also stream live on Facebook every day. That's a Chatterbox Sports page. And in podcast form, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. We start in college basketball championship week, kicking into high gear. And how about the Norse? Casey, your alma mater. Norse up. Casey McAllister, Reed Mouse. Tom, what's up, baby? How about him? Heck yeah. Fourth time in 11 years since going to Division I in basketball. They advanced to the NCAA tournament. A 63-61 win over Cleveland State in the Horizon League championship game last night. Marquez Warwick scores 18, but the difference maker last night, among many really, Sam Benson, he scores 16 with five rebounds, three assists, three steals, as the Norse win the tournament as the number four seed. Congratulations, Northern Kentucky University. Darren Horn, their head coach. He's been a regular on the program, and he's back here again in about five minutes. Other winners who advance on to the NCAA tournament from last night, Gonzaga wins a West Coast tournament destroying St. Mary's. Maybe the best Gonzaga's looked all year, and look out for the Zags again in the tournament. Oral Roberts, 30-4 and four on the year, wins his summit. Fairly Dickinson loses a championship game, but because of a quirky rule about Merrimack going to Division I, Fairly Dickinson goes to the tournament. And Charleston, 31-3, and three, wins the CAA to advance to the NCAA tournament. Most of the big boy conferences, if you will, begin tournament play today or tonight. Xavier waits on the winner. In tonight's game between Seton Hall and DePaul, UC already knows it's playing Temple on Friday night in the American Conference Tournament. Ohio State opens the Big Ten Tournament against Wisconsin tonight. And our buddy Huggy Bear in West Virginia playing Texas Tech in the Big 12. College basketball reigns supreme for about the next three weeks. All right, football news. Big news, as expected. The Baltimore Ravens have put the non-exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson. That means he can be offered deals by other teams, but the Ravens can match that offer sheet. If they decide not to and Jackson leaves to go somewhere else, then that means the Ravens get two number one picks from the team that signs him. As you know, the two sides have been trying for two years to get a long-term deal done. It did not happen. The New York Giants signed quarterback Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract. That's $80 million guaranteed. Then the team turns around and puts another non-exclusive franchise tag on their star running back, Saquon Barkley. If he stays with the Giants, he's expected to make close to $11 million a year. And how about the Aaron Rodgers story? This gets more peculiar by the day. The New York Jets owner, head coach, general manager, and offensive coordinator fly out to California where Rodgers lives 
and they meet with him in California. They were given permission to do so by the Green Bay Packers. It's not known if a trade is in the works. And lastly, the World Baseball Classic begins tonight where Cuba takes on the Netherlands. The United States faces Great Britain on Saturday. So a lot going on here today, uh, as we talked about yesterday. Well, let's talk about today first. So we have Darren Horn coming up in about um, four minutes to talk hey, about Tom, advancing on. Yes, he, he needs a little extra time. 1020. Okay. 1020. Okay, so we got Darren Horn coming up at 1020. 1035, as we mentioned, we're going to step out of the box a little bit. We talked about this in a meeting, all of us at Chatterbox Sports, uh, about maybe starting to branch out a little bit, and I can't think of anything more important than what we're going to talk about today. I've known a fellow named Dan Telkamp for a long, long time. He makes a living with his hands. He's in the construction business. This isn't a guy with a lot of money. His daughter's 25 years old, one of three people in the state of Ohio, 25 years or younger, to be diagnosed with ALS. One of the most brutal disease. In fact, I'm not so sure because I watched a very dear friend go through it for four years. I'm not so sure it's not the most brutal disease you can have. And all of us have had family members that have had cancer or had any number of diseases. It is a brutal, brutal disease. Basically, in a nutshell, in your brain, you tell your fingers to move. You blink your eyes. You breathe. When you have ALS, your mind is as sharp as though nothing ever happened to you. But all of a sudden, that trigger doesn't work anymore. And slowly but surely, you wound up in a wheelchair. You wound up with a breathing tube. You end up with a, uh, a feeding tube. You basically lose every single movement there is in your entire body. The ability to command your body to do anything. Eventually to the point where your body just simply stops breathing. It's basically a certificate that you're going to die. That's the reality of ALS. And we have a young woman on today, Sam Telkamp, with her dad, Dan Telkamp, who is staring down the barrel of this disease. It's already started. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, the amount of money that is incurred to a family uh, is, is mind-boggling. And this isn't a guy that, like I said, is walking around with a ton of money. So we're going to try to help raise some money for them. Hear their story. She's been writing a blog for a long, long time uh, about this challenge since she was diagnosed. And so we're going to have them on roughly about 1035 to around 1105 uh, and see if we can't raise some money. I have a donor already who, depending on how much money we raise, the donor will match that amount up to $7,000. They're trying to buy a van to be able to get her to her doctor's appointments. Uh, to handle being able to get inside a wheelchair inside of the van. And uh, I think they're up to about 8000 bucks. They got to get to 25000 I don't know if we'll do it today, but if you can help, great. If you can't, I get it. 
And then lastly, we're going to be joined by Seth Davis. You see him on CBS Sports during the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about Xavier with Seth Davis. What's he think about that? Where should they be seated? We're going to talk about the big blue, Cal. That's your guy. He, you know what? He never was my guy. My son asked me the other day, he says, you've always, always ripped into Kentucky. Because let's face it, even like Ohio State football fans, and I am one of the biggest on the planet, Ohio State football fans and Kentucky basketball fans can be a wee bit overbearing. I was going to say, they're very similar, Tom. <laughs> they're, they're pretty much in the same camp. Yeah, they are. And I can say that as a Buckeye football fan. Unrealistic. You know, all those kinds of things. Uh, so, uh, you know, so it, 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 there are times Kentucky's hard to like. Just like Ohio State sometimes is hard to like, right? Right? Absolutely. But now they're the underdog. And there's something sort of appealing about them being the underdog. For me, anyway. Maybe not for you. Um, and so, you know, I mean, basically they were read their last rights about three, four weeks ago, Right. right. Yeah, yeah. People were calling for Coach Cal to get fired. They were out of the tournament, and now they're looking square, like a six seed. So they've roared all the way back to being right in the thick of things in this tournament. They are right in the thick of things, indeed. Seth is a Duke guy, by the way. Uh, you know, phenomenal writer, Sports Illustrated, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, he's written books about uh, John Wooden, about coaches and what makes them great and their teams great not just basketball but football um can't wait to talk to him he's going to be on the run a little bit i don't know if we're getting video of him or what the deal is uh, because he's going to the airport to get ready for the ncaa tournament all right fellas northern kentucky that's yes, the sir. talk of the town today i mean what they have done is unbelievable casey i loved what you said i was all over your case about not walking in here, sticking out your chest, yelling and screaming about your alma mater. I said that when I walk in here on Monday and Ohio University storms through the Mid-American Conference Championship over the weekend, that I will be donning the green and white. You have nothing that has Northern Kentucky on it. But you said now it's become the expectation. Yeah, it's the expectation for them to win the championship in my mind i mean since i've been there an alum i think they've won it three or four times i mean yeah. we, we had that graphic up there they've won it four out of the 11 times and they've been second maybe eight out of the 11 times so it's an expectation that they compete and that they win it in my mind. Well, the big thing about the program is, is first off, John Brandon did it, right? John Brandon then yep. goes to UC because he gets the big job. He was winning at NKU. Then another coach, Coach Horn, who's going to be on the show later, steps in and does the exact same thing. And they were, I don't want to say that they were underdogs, but they were the four seed to win this whole thing. That's right. And there was only a one-game separation. You had, th right. you had three teams that went 14-6, and six, and Youngstown State went 15-5. and five. Absolutely. And, and they... This is, you know, NKU didn't play well against Cleveland State. I know they they, they won one and, and lost one, I believe. But they pretty much, I know it was a close game, tightly contested, but they held the lead for almost all of 40 minutes, it felt like. It felt like they were in control of the game throughout yep. the majority of it. And they put it away late. And, you know, hats off to them. Hats off to them is right. I mean, you know, they I, I, we've had... 
We've been really lucky and very grateful for Coach Horn coming on this program so frequently. I mean, we had him early in the year after they beat UC. And, you know, I kind of feel like in some ways, and many of you on Twitter certainly feel the same way, uh, there are bigger places he can go on the air that have a lot more audience and all that kind of thing. But he's been great with us. I'd like to think maybe we're his uh, semi-very small sliver of good luck charm here on Off the Bench. Well, Absolutely. It, it corresponds, right? He comes on the show. They win. So we got to keep bringing him on. I also think that he likes coming on because I think he just likes talking hoops. He I, does. I think we. I think this is his outlet just to talk some hoops on the air, and we give that to him. We love talking hoops with him. And, and you know, he obviously is uh, at Northern Kentucky. He had been at South Carolina um, before he came here and took over for John Brandon, and uh, so he is. You know, he he knows what's going on in the quote unquote college basketball world. He's just not you know, a guy in the Horizon League. Uh, he understands what it's like to try and compete and recruit in a major conference uh, like the SEC. You know, we talked really quickly. Uh, I mentioned it in the monologue about Gonzaga. Uh, Drew Timmy becomes their all-time leading scorer last night. This is a team for years and years. Two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, they were undefeated. They get beaten in the national championship game. Uh, they, they've done a lot of this this year, you know, and everybody thought this was a top three, four team in the country. I think they're ranked 10th. They played a very good St. Mary's team last night, and I mean just destroyed them. Are we looking at the Zags for another big run in the tournament? What's funny about Gonzaga is, and I think Paul's talked about this before, was for years, Gonzaga was thought of kind of similar to, to Xavier. Oh, they've never been to a Final Four. They've never met a deep run. They're in that West Coast Conference. That ain't a good conference. And now it's about well, they can't win the big one, right? They've made it to the national championship twice, and now there's a lot more hype around them. And like you said, they're up and down all year, took some took some bad losses on the chin, lost to St. Mary's earlier this year. But from the tip last night, I don't know if you watched that game at all, Tom, but from the tip, it was zags all the way. Never even a second thought about it. And, and I love the comments after the game when uh, Mark Few, their head coach, was asked about this season. Uh, and oftentimes when you win a conference championship and look, they'll find out where they're playing, who they're playing, where they're seeding, all those kinds of things on Sunday. This Sunday is Selection Sunday. But he made a comment. He said, look, he says, I've not been a very fun guy to be around this entire year. He said, because I can't figure the team out. We're doing everything we can to get it right. Uh, we got a lot of good players. Uh, he took the blame for the ups and downs, which every great coach does, not only in the good times, but the bad times. Uh, so, you know, good for him. A couple of football notes before we get to Coach Horn here in a matter of about five minutes. This Lamar Jackson thing surprises me. I don't know about you guys, but the non-exclusive thing, you know, they could have just tagged him, paid him. He's a quarterback. If he wants to sit out and walk away from $35, $40 million, God bless him. Anybody that does that is a fool, is an absolute fool, okay? These are the numbers before the guy got hurt last year. You see his career numbers. Um, a dynamic player, uh, unique for sure. The most unique talent, not the best, but the most unique talent in the National Football League. Now a team can go out, sign him to a deal, okay? They can give him whatever they want to give him. They can give him a Deshaun Watson contract if they want to do that, right? The Ravens at that point would have a right to match that offer. If they decide not to match that offer, if they match it, he comes back to Baltimore. If they don't match it, that means that team that signs him sends the Ravens two first-round picks. 
What do you think at the end of the day they're hoping happens? I think they're they're hoping that a team will bite, honestly. Um, but, you know, I was looking at a lot of the, the buzz around this, and there's a lot of teams that have just already said that they're out. Panthers, Falcons, um, just to name a few that I thought were, uh, you know, that, that they would be all in on that sort of deal to get a franchise MVP winning quarterback. So I think there's just more to it than, than that. I think the owners all across the league are saying that, you know, the deal with Deshaun Watson is not the norm. That is not what we are in the business of doing, giving out fully guaranteed contracts like that. And I think maybe they're all kind of taking a stand against this right. contract situation and saying, you know, Lamar, we're not we're not giving you a fully guaranteed contract. We're not giving you 200 million guarantees. We'll we'll give you 150. But that's as far as we'll go. And I think you're seeing that across the league. That's why he hasn't had a deal yet. I'm sure there's a team that would jump all over two first rounders, but they're not going to do the 200 million guaranteed. Which by the way, I think we got Darren Horn on here. Oh great. Well, let's get right to it. We are just so excited for Coach Horn. He's been kind enough as we mentioned to join us. Uh, frequently here on Off the Bench uh, this season. Uh, the team has not left yet, is my understanding. Coach, congratulations. We're fired up for the hey, Norse. You, How about it, man? You, you called it, brother, the prophet. You said the yeah. Norse were winning. You were the one. Well, we, we listen, I, I, I just had a feeling because, look, you're around him every day. I'm not. I'm never around him. But I, there's just something to be said, Coach, and we asked you about it the other day there's just a confidence level in your team out on the floor right now. Was there a moment this year where you felt like, ooh, okay, maybe that's starting to go in the direction that we thought it it should go? Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. I think really in the last couple of weeks, as you said, we, we kind of transitioned from, you know, really competing and trying hard to doing it with confidence and, and, and playing like a team that believes they deserve to win because of, of, of their ability and, and, and the work that they had put in. And, and I think maybe more importantly, as cliches as it sounds, you know, the trust and the confidence they had built in each other. Uh, you know, th those were words that kind of came out of, of Marquez Warwick's mouth here in the last couple of days. And, you know, when, when you get in these pressure pack situations, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that, that what's coming out is is what's down deep, and uh, you know, you get exposed under those bright lights as we challenge our guys. And and what came out, I think, was a, a, as you mentioned, a great deal of confidence and trust in each other. You know, we we, we talked the other day about Warwick. We uh, I loved your comments in the post game show last night with Jim and Rick about um, about what you said to Warwick about people calling him, and you fill in the blank on this, coach. You're the one that said it to the kid about people think you're a good player, but you had something else in mind that you wanted to say about this kid and people to say about this kid, right? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we challenged him even in the recruiting process. You know, when coming out of high school, he, he, he was labeled as a really good scorer, but probably a little soft. And, you know, his teams have been good, but he had never won the big game. And, you know, for three years, we've been challenging him to become a complete player on both ends of the floor, a guy, a guy that can really score the ball, uh, but also makes people better offensively and then defensively is, is a guy that's, you know, a, a solid defender. And, and he's become more than that. He's become a good defender. And, and then also that, you know, to, to become a champion, to be a guy that's seen as, as somebody that not just scores, but drives winning, uh, you know, and, 
and, and looking at being looked at as a guy that is the reason that your team won. Not that you're a great player, but you're the you're the reason that your team won. And you know that that takes some winning qualities, not just scoring the basketball. And he and he's developed all those. And and you know I said this last night, Tom, in in, in our um in in the press conference, you know, with the with the league. I think one of the we have going here is we have great parents. I never hear from them, man. It's, it's like coaching a prison team. I, I mean, they, I never hear from them. They let me coach their sons, and nobody's been coached harder than Marquez Warwick. And his mother thanked me for it after the game last night. Mm. I mean, that, that, that just doesn't happen in college basketball. And so uh, we're, we're really fortunate to have young men of that character, that they have families that support them and support me uh, helping making them better. Well, well, Lord knows. I mean, that is not the norm in this day and age, as you know, man. I mean, most of the time you got parents. I mean, you know, down in in third grade basketball, you got that going on. So good for you and good for his mom and good for all those parents. Um, now you shift gears to uh, knowing you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. You'll be sitting around just like the rest of us on Sunday night to see where you go. Um, last year, the Horizon League uh, tournament champion, Wright State, wound up playing uh, up in Dayton. I would find it very hard to believe. And, I, you know, I don't know any more than the next guy. I, in fact, know a lot less than the next guy. I would find it very hard to believe, based on your team's body of work, that you're playing in Dayton. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it probably depends on what happens in other teams around our league. Uh, you know, we, we, we finished fourth, but we were one game uh, from being in first. And, and still ended up with, I don't know, I think we have 22 wins now. We've got a win over Cincinnati, uh, you know, from, from a quality conference. And so I, I think it depends on what happens in other leagues like ours. You know, you, you've seen somewhere, you know, the five seed is one, but they've, they've got 14 wins on the year. You know, if, if enough of that happens, I think that impacts 16 or 15. I think it impacts, you know, first four or not. You know, at this point, it doesn't really matter to us. We're dancing. We're, we're, we're going to take whoever's called and, and uh, get ready for them and, and go out and try to play uh, aggressive and confident like we did the last couple nights. Last thing I have for you, is your message as a coach, because uh, I mean, I, I think I heard you say it was 30 years ago where you played in an NCAA tournament, yeah. right? So yeah. is yeah. the message That's different um, as the head coach when, when you're going into a conference tournament you know, you guys broke it up. You played a game at home, then back-to-back -back nights to win this thing last night. But is it and, – and, and, and there was only one game separating uh, Youngstown State with you and two others at 14-6 and six in the league, Youngstown State 15-5. and five. Is there a different message now for you when you know you're going to be going up against a team that is going to be a favored team against your team? Yeah, for us, it'll be the same message just because, you know, and we may have talked about this last time I was on, you know, to me, the most important thing is March is can you play your best at who you need to be, right? And and, and especially if you're the underdog, and, and look, let's be honest, 16, 15, whatever, we're going to be playing a team that, as you said, is favored and and has got a better coach and better players and, and all of that stuff. And so if we don't play our best, you know, we don't have any shots. So our, our message essentially will, will, will be the same. You know, how do we get our guys uh, to be their best? And, and for us, that, that, that uh, really begins and ends with being the more aggressive team on both ends of the floor. I mean, in a championship game to get 14 steals like we had last night is just absolutely off the charts. Well, you hung your hat on your defense all year long. You're one of the top defensive teams in the country. And, and, and Coach, we just can't thank you enough for how generous you've been with your time. We're just so doggone excited for you. We've been rooting for you going all the way back to when we had John after that day after the UC game. And 
Man, congratulations for all of us here at Chatterbox Sports. Absolutely. Thanks. Good man. luck. Thanks for the love. For the Appreciate you guys. All right. Boy, what, 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 so excited for that guy. What, what, what the hell is going on over there? ESPN. I was, I was looking at the box score, and they have those, those auto players. Believe me, I know. I've had it on half this year. It's, this, is, uh, this is what happens when, when you get to the third string of producers, Tom. <laughs> you, you, get, you get Paul, he's Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen with Trace, and I'm just Jake Browning over here flubbing it up. That's funny. That's fun. A poofy-haired uh, fancy boy says, I am the Barbara Walters of Chatterbox. Didn't she just die? Uh, did Barb just die? Yeah, I she did. Oh, no. She did. <laughs> but you're still here, Tom. Everybody wants to know if Paul's okay. Paul's at the Big East Conference Tournament. He left uh, yesterday. So he's in New York. And we are going to have Paul on the program tomorrow. Many of you have asked about my dad. Um, he will be on with us Friday. He's normally here on Wednesdays. But because today, between Coach Horn, Seth Davis, and the tail camp's coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes, um, I asked my dad if he wouldn't mind doing Friday. And so Friday it is. And by that time, he might have time to go off the reservation for his North Carolina Tar Heels, because that's always fun. They'll, they'll be still playing by Friday. I, th I think so, too. They're too talented not to. I really like the way they're set up in the ACC tournament. I really, really like the way they're set up in the tournament. All right, listen, uh, I'm going to throw it to a break. And when we come back, again, here's the deal. Today we're trying to raise some money for a family in need, okay? We'll tell you more of their story right here on Off the Bench when we come back. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, Ask about Bartell's 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartellsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartell's Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. All right. <clears throat> Casey, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's your question? Are you still drinking regular water? Well, what if I was? Well, did you know that alkaline water has been shown to have superior hydration benefits versus regular water in a clinical study? There's a new premium alkaline water out there. It's called Pawnee. And I got to tell you guys, 
It's fantastic. It's made right here in the city of Sculpture, Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world, and it truly is the best tasting water in the world. So, Casey, drink some Pawnee. Drink some Pawnee. You know, by the way, uh, I ran into uh, the owner of Pawnee Water out in the parking nice. lot today. They are sending multiple pallets of Pawnee Water to East Palestine, Ohio fantastic. today. Fantastic. They're revving up the truck, and they're going to help those people uh, in East Palestine, Ohio. All right, helping people is what we're trying to do here today. Sam Telkamp is 25 years old. She is a proud graduate of America's greatest institution, The Ohio University. She had planned to spend her life helping others, helping children specifically, impacted uh, with injuries and illnesses. Well, now she's the one who needs our help. She's been diagnosed with ALS. And uh, I mentioned earlier, if anybody has ever known someone, family member, friend, uh, acquaintance, uh, that's been diagnosed with ALS, it is just a brutal, brutal um, disease. And um, I can't thank Sam and her father, Dan, whom I've known for a long, long time, uh, for taking the time to join us on the program here today. Now, look, we're going to put up a, um, um, a website where you can help the family if you're able. It's in the um, comment section, pinned in the comment section. In the comment section, okay. And if possible, if there's any way we can put it up, that would be great. Sam, Dan, good morning. Sam, you look great. Always that million-dollar smile. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you. You know, uh, run that forward read up on the teleprompter, please, if you wouldn't mind. I, Sam, I, I want to go back and, and ask you, you know, where all of this sort of started, where you thought something might not be right yeah um in college i kind of struggled a little bit with my hands um i was kind of you know working out and i would get in a push-up position and just fall uh, the strength of my wrists wouldn't hold me up um the pain I was having in college kind of made me think it was maybe carpal tunnel because you do a lot of note taking and working on your laptop. So I just assumed that it was carpal tunnel and kind of ignored it for a really long time. Um, so when I was working in Columbus, um, I was working as a child life specialist in a children's hospital there and I couldn't pinch my badge onto my shirt. Um, and a couple other things like putting on gloves was getting hard and I was kind of confused on why this was happening. Um, if it was carpal tunnel. So um, when I went to my doctor, she referred me to get an EMG, which is a, um, a test that studies the way that your nerves communicate to your muscles. Um, and it showed that mine was not communicating very well in both of my arms. Um, they didn't tell me at the doctor's office at the time. They just referred me to a neurologist uh, and now in this world, we have a fancy uh, my chart that tells you um, what the doctor's uh, differential is. And so when I got to my car and that notification came up, um, that's when I found the differential was 
possible motor neuron disease, um, which my family is familiar with um, from another member of our community having ALS and a family member um, as well. So um, I never had a doctor tell me right away. It was kind of just reading it in the chart, um, which was not fun. Uh, and then kind of following up with my neurologist and having more of an in-depth conversation. But, uh, yeah. Dan, um, I'm a father. There are a lot of fathers watching. I mean, it's a very hard conversation to, to have because I, I've known you and, and Sam and your two daughters and your wife, Carol, for a long, long time. When you first got this diagnosis as a dad, what goes through your mind? I was upset. Um, I was upset the world. I, um, we're Catholic. I even kind of asked, you know, we're, Tom, you know us, we're a family of givers. We've, we've given our whole life. I've coached for, um, 30 something years, 40 years. Um, uh, Sam was in, we're givers, the whole family. And I just couldn't understand how my religion could take away somebody who was doing so good for the world. And I just need to, I was mad. I've overcome that. I mean, you know, as, as if, if there is anything joking about it, you know, it's, it's, we have a lot of family members up there and they want the good one. <laughs> um, you know, let's hope it's a long, long time, but you know, they've, they've put their feet down and, um, Sam, my mom died of leukemia. Um, and my Sam was down there almost every day sitting at the, when she was younger, sitting at the end of the bed with my mom. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So this disease, and you made reference, Sam, a minute ago to a member of the, uh, the Marymont family, the community. There was a phenomenal uh, man named Graham Harden um, who was diagnosed with ALS many years ago, a number of years ago now. Um, he wound up passing away. He was uh, one of the great lacrosse players in the history of the NCAA at the University of North Carolina. Uh, Dan, Sam, you both saw firsthand uh, what this disease was like, uh, you know, you've been to Graham's house. I would go to Graham's house. You'd see this and the changes and the challenges uh, that he faced. What about the challenges? Is it, you know, th this disease can, can take a while. It can progress quickly. What challenges, Sam, uh, ha have you gone through most recently and are going through right now? Yeah. So it started in my hands. Um, primarily my left hand. So uh, the weakness in my left hand kind of made me have difficulty with, like what I said, putting on gloves and um, doing things that I would normally do, like put my hair up or um, cook at home and things that require, you know, good hand strength for both hands. Um, and it moved up to my like shoulder area. Um, so my whole left arm right now is pretty weak. Um, I probably couldn't hold things above like two pounds. Um, and if I do hold something around two pounds, it's probably not for very long. It's probably for a short period of time. Um, then my right hand started 
to get um, a little bit affected, um, but now it's also curling. So this is, you know, me straightening my fingers. Um, and so the um, difficulties now is like changing and really doing anything with my hands. Um, so I'm learning a lot about how to manipulate a lot of things with my voice um, or like assistive touching um, with like my knuckles or mm -hmm. um, a like tool. Um, and then my left leg as well has been getting a little weaker, primarily my foot, like my ankle area. Um, so it kind of slaps the ground if I'm not wearing um, my AFO brace, which is just a brace that helps support uh, the strength of my ankle and my calf so that I don't have that extra work of um, moving. Um, so I was using a walking stick for a while um, and then upgraded to a um, walker and now kind of go back and forth between a walker and a power chair just um, to help me get around a lot faster. Dan, uh, th these issues require action, uh, and you're in the construction business. Uh, you've made your living with your hands and being able to help people uh, redo a kitchen or, or whatever the case may be. So some of these things you're able to do yourself, but, but none of them uh, come without cost. Um, what have you been doing? What are some of the things that still need to be done? And how can people help, you know, help you keep up with all of this kind of thing? The first thing that um, I did was I knew, um, you know, because of, of Graham's story and, and, you know, we were a big part of that. I knew that I had to get the bathroom done. And um, Sam was still in Columbus, so we had to, um, we broke her lease which the leasing company helped us a little bit, but didn't help much at all. There's, they don't care about people's health. Um, so we had to break the lease and then we had to move her back home because she was unable to, um, she had a Jeep um, and she was unable to, to get into the Jeep safely um, and, and be at that, the, her apartment safely. So that was the main thing. And then at, here at the house, we, we um, gutted our, master bathroom to make it a handicap accessible. So um, we had a shower. It was just done probably six, seven years ago. So we tore it all out and uh, lowered it so she can roll right in. Um, so that is all. We just got a new toilet with a bidet. We, I'm installing that later on tonight. Um, uh, but the toilet was done. All the carpet off the first floor has been removed and we put hardwood down. Um, uh, we had a ramp put on the outside of the house um, so that she can um, get in and out of the house because our house is a little bit higher. Um, we're in the process of trying to get a van because she cannot get into the cars easily um, anymore. Um, uh, you know, come spring, we um, have to, I want her to be able to come into the backyard. So we have to somehow work something to get her into the backyard. Um, we do like to camp. Um, I took our camper up to have them try and install a lift for her to, um, because we do, again, like to camp a lot. 
and um, there's nothing out there. So um, now we're looking to possibly do a permanent site um, so that she can at least camp. Um, if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, it's it, there's a lot. There's, and you know, there's that's just the house. Um, there's uh, she she she's a little um, naive about that there's an eye gaze system that comes down the road. There's, um, there's, as Tom, as you well know, it's, um, you try and stay ahead of the game and, 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 and make everything, but she loves to do her blogs and she has not been able to blog because this disease has moved a little bit faster than, um, uh, uh, us trying to find the resources to get her to do stuff. Sam, uh, you started that blog. It's called Staying Loudly. Uh, talk a little bit about it and where people can find it. Yeah, so I started the blog um, mostly because I have a lot of people in my life who I knew it was going to be really hard to tell and a lot of people um, I wanted to keep updated. And so instead of having to tell someone over and over again, um, I tried to create something that was simple and that I could just share it and everybody could know um, an update on my life. Um, I also shared it because when I was going through all of this, I struggled to um, find somebody who was my age and who was a female um, with ALS. And so I wanted to have an outlet for somebody who might be, um, you know, going through something similar to have somebody reflected um, and that maybe they can relate to when they're going through this. Um, and so I kind of just started writing and um, writing pretty freely and openly about what I was going through. Um, and it, you can find it, uh, probably most easily through Facebook. If you follow Staying Loudly on Facebook, um, the link to some of the posts are on there. Sam, when you wake up every day, and, and again, I, but before we get to this next question, uh, you, you see the link down there at the bottom. Uh, we're trying to raise funds today. We have a donor that will match anything up to $7,000 here today. Um, I, look, I, what people are able to give, not able to give, these are tough uh, economic conditions this country's living in right now. Um, and, and so even if, if the tell camps can get your prayers, we're grateful for that. But we are trying to help them raise some money here today. And there you see the link at the bottom. Uh, if you're not joining us live right now, you're joining us in podcast form. It is secure, S-E-C-U-R-E dot give lively g-i-v-e-l-i-v-e-l-y dot org and that will go right to um raising money for this family to try and and help them with with so many of tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh in costs that are incurred on so many different levels some which we've talked a little bit about some which we have not um everybody gets up or most people get up, you hope and pray everybody gets up, Sam, every morning to have hope or to find good. Where are you finding hope and good? Mm, 
I, I think I, working in the hospital um, with kids who experience um, terminal illness on a daily basis, I think has built me as a person. Um, and they taught me a lot about how you just keep on doing life like the same, um, maybe a little more intentional about how you spend your time. Um, and so I think, you know, my patients taught me a lot about being humble and being grateful for everything that you've been given. And um, I think that's just how I've always woke up every morning um, and spending it with my patients. And so this diagnosis might make me a little more intentional about how I spend my time and um, how I look forward to every day and um, thinking about, you know, today I might have a little less use with both of my hands, but I can still get myself around and walk pretty well. Um, so I'm always going to be thankful for that. I know that one day that might not be the case. And so, you know, when that's the case, I might be thankful for my voice or I might be thankful for my chair um, that helps me get around. Um, so just being, being able to reflect on things and um, reframe things so that I'm not always in a negative space. Dan, this is really rare um, for someone Sam's age. Uh, you were sharing with me the other day, uh, and, and correct me if I, I messed up the numbers here, but, but, but basically at her age, at 25 or younger, didn't you share with me that there are only two other people in the entire state of Ohio that are going through this at her age, roughly? She's on um, a, a group. It's her ALS. and. Story. It's her ALS story. Story. And, um, <laughs> Get it right, Dad. Get it right. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's, it, it's hers. It's, so we, we, we kind of stay away from it. But um, there's, um, correct me if I'm wrong, 40, approximately 40 people in this group worldwide. Um, and um, three, one being Sam in Ohio. And um, that's just people who have who, found the group. So there might what, be some people in the state okay. of Ohio who are younger and diagnosed and are female. Um, but these are just people who have been connected. Correct. So, and that's what I said before, Tom, is that people that, who, I'm sure there's more. There's, uh, I, I, for heaven bid, I hope there's not, but I'm sure there's more. Um, and, but in this group, there's um, approximately 40 members in this group and um, three of them in the state of Ohio. You know, um, in, in the Bible, you mentioned your faith earlier, uh, Dan. In the Bible, you know, David gets really mad with God. And he screams at him and he questions him and, he, and, he, and he's wondering, why, why did my friend die? Among many, many other things. Um, have you found yourself angry with God? I did at the beginning, um, but you know, God spoke to me. Uh, my parents spoke to me. Both my parents have deceased. I've, I've talked to them, um, uh, and and you know, 
as strong as Sam is, I've got to be just as strong. And um, Mad's not being fair to her. Um, and Mad's not being fair to myself. Um, so I've, there's days, Tom's, of course, but I've turned that around. I've spoke to God and, and, and I've asked him to just, you know, look over us, give us everything we can, um, make every day um, the, the best day we possibly can. Um, and, and, um, and I pray. Um, I do pray. Um, I can't say I pray every night, but when, when, I, when I see her having a bad day, I take, you know, 10, 15 minutes and ask God to please look over and so on and so forth. So, yes, I've, I've, I was mad at the beginning, but not anymore. Sam, um, there are things you still want to do. What are some of the things you still want to do? I mean, what do you really want to do? Yeah. Um, I think a dream I've always had before all this is to write uh, a book. Um, it was a children's book, but um, a lot of people have encouraged me through my blog to, to write something bigger. Um, so I've been trying to save some energy to um, continue writing. Um, I've also been um, encouraged by a couple people to come uh, down to Marymount Lacrosse practice. Um, yep. So I've been down there and helping out um, when I can. Um, so that's been fun. And then we're just trying to plan some uh, dream trips that um, we've been trying to narrow down and um, get dates settled and things like that. So. Well, you went she on that went, trip, correct um, me if I'm wrong, Danny. You got, you, Sam, you had the chance to go up to New England. You had always wanted to go up there, right? Mm -hmm. And you had a chance to go up there. That must have been quite a trip and quite a joy. Yeah, my um, best friend from high school, we took a road trip up to Maine um, in the fall. And it was like peak fall season. So we got all the colors um, from Maine all the way to New Hampshire and then um, made our way back home um, and we had perfect weather the whole time so I know we saw the Mount Washington weather was like I don't know blizzard <laughs> uh, <laughs> arctic temperatures and uh, we were up there on the peak and it was like 50 degrees and windy so um, it was pretty incredible trip and we got very lucky. Dan, you were starting to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, my friend. You no, were you, ready to you, say something um, there a second ago. She, um, at OU, her freshman year, she did a study abroad at um, uh, South Africa. And um, as much as I tried to turn her away and go somewhere different, she has decided that she would love to take um, uh, her family over there and show us what she did and, of course, the other things. But... Um, and we're excited and we're trying to shoot for somewhere in July on that. All right. So um, you mentioned something and, and I saw it. You saw it firsthand with um, with Graham Harden uh, because he got to a point at his house when you'd go over and sit in his living room. Um, he could only move uh, one finger uh, to be able to do some certain things. And then it became even very difficult for that. Uh, there's technology out there, which if people have never seen it, is just, it's mind-boggling. Dan, fill in the blank here, or Sam, 
you're, you're starting to record your voice now. Is that right, Sam? For yes. uh, in preparation for, so you're able to communicate moving forward. Talk a little bit about that for people that have never seen it or heard about it before, please. Yeah. So um, I, at the beginning of diagnosis, um, the speech therapist um, encouraged me to record my voice. So there's a bunch of different programs um, out there that do this, but um, I recorded about like 3,000 sentences of my voice um, so they can use my voice to pair it with like what they kind of talk about like a Siri or an Alexa voice um, so I don't sound like Siri or Alexa <laughs> um, they can like morph my voice into that um, so I sound a little bit more like me um, and then there's another program that I can record personal messages so like me saying my dad's name or my dog's name um, or like things that I say on a daily basis that I want to be in my voice um, I can bank those and I can continue to do that until I feel like I can't anymore um, and so those two voices can be put onto a program and the only one I know of that we've all talked about is called a Toby. Um, it's like a bigger version of an iPad computer kind of thing. Um, and it uses um, your eyes to uh, track where you're going on the screen so you can pick um, and like type out a conversation so that you're not stuck inside your body and um, are able to communicate um, when your body doesn't let you. Sam, what have you learned most about yourself since this diagnosis? I mean, is it your time with family? Is it your relationship with family? Is it things that you say to your family that you otherwise may have waited to say to your family? I mean, I'm sure these emotions run, uh, you know, across the entire gamut here. Uh, what, what, what are you learning most about yourself on a daily basis? Yeah. I think it also goes back to my to my patients. I know I said this before, but I think working with kids who are, um, you know, experiencing cancer or um, a terminal, you know, brain tumor, um, I learned a lot about um, how to appreciate every moment and day. And I think having this diagnosis makes it so much more important for me. Um, so I'm very intentional about the time I spend and the, the conversations I have. Um, I think it's deepened a lot of my relationships with my friends um, and my family because, you know, you only have a certain amount of time to communicate um, how much and how important people are to you. And the only way to do that is to, to say it and to um, give them your time. Um, so I just try and put my efforts into that. Um, and I think it's also taught me a lot about how um, important it is to just appreciate um, even the littlest of things. Uh, you know, we don't always stop and think about how uh, important it is to use your hands to eat or to enjoy the food that we're eating. 
Um, but now that the conversation is shifting to maybe a G2, um, just because of swallowing and stuff, uh, that that makes you want to um, appreciate uh, things like that. Dan, what have you learned about your daughter that, uh, that, that you know, that, that you didn't know before now? How strong she is. You know, she was always strong. She was always um, putting herself before others, and she's still doing that. I, I can't tell you how many different things she's already been getting involved in with the ALS Association, and um, but... Um, She's just she's stronger than me, Tom. And I thought I was strong, but by no means. Well, look, uh, I can't thank you two enough for sharing your story. Uh, uh, again, um, you see the, 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 the link right there where you can go. Uh, and we're trying to raise some money for this family. I think a lot of people sometimes think uh, – about certain areas of town and, 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 and Marymount High School is one of those areas, I think, that everybody assumes that because a kid goes to Marymount High School that that means their, their family has, you know, uh, money without end and all these kinds of things. That is not the case in any form or fashion. And we're just trying to help this family and uh, in any way we can and in any way you can, we'd appreciate it. You see the link there, secure.givelively.org, secure.givelively.org. We're trying to raise some money for the family to be able to buy this van so that Sam can go out and try and do the things that she still wants to do while she's able to do it. Good Lord willing, she's able to do it for the next hundred years. Uh, and we I hope agree. and pray for all of that. But um, Sam, thank you for your courage. Uh, Dan, um, for you and Carol and, and your two other daughters uh, and all of you, uh, you know, God's grace. And we pray for you every single day and we look forward to seeing you uh, many, many days ahead. Thank you. Tom, thank you. We love you and, your, and of course, your family as well. They're a big part of our lives as well. You guys have a great rest of your day. Keep smiling, Sam. Right. Keep you. smiling, kiddo. All right. <laughs> All right, there Thank we go. You. Thanks, Tom. You guys have a great right. day. Kind enough uh, to join Thanks, us. Tom. Boy, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, whew. Boy, that's a tough one. Okay. All right. Um, and again, if you can help, uh, that would be great. So let's take a time out. And we'll come back with more in just a moment. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, ask about Bartels 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartelsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartels Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill. 
the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. Well, it, it seems almost pointless doing, doing this silly show about sports after an interview like that. But this is just a reminder that all we have are, is our loved ones and each other. And we've all have experienced hardships in our life, every single one of us. And sometimes those hardships come with financial burdens. So if you guys would be so kind, please, it's, it's linked in the, the comment section. Please click on that link, help out the telecamps. This is just an incredibly tough time and find it in your heart to, to help everyone out. And we know everyone has financial situations. It's a tough time in, in, in the country as a whole, but man, it's, it just puts in perspective everything right then and there. We've all, we've all been through hard times, but none of us have, have been through hardships like that oh there's no doubt and, and and i had a chance to see it like i talked about graham harden before uh this was a guy who was one of the most highly decorated um lacrosse players in the history of the sport three-time national player of the year at north carolina uh wasn't a big huge guy he was lean and, you know really athletic and and uh, and he had walked away from his job uh many many years ago to um to uh, coach his kids. He had two daughters and a son, and he wanted to coach all of them in lacrosse. So he just took on an assistant's job at Marymont, both for the boys and the girls. He'd show up, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon for the girls' practice till, you know, six. Boys would go from six till late or seven to nine at night. He'd be there the whole time. Uh, athletic, strong, handsome, fit all those kinds of things, but he left his job. His wife was working as a nurse. Um, but that's what he really wanted to do is coach his kids. Then he gets diagnosed with this disease. Now his, unlike hers, uh, took a long time, thankfully, to progress to the point uh, where he uh, needed to be in a wheelchair. You heard her talking about just the ability. And I talked about, you know, what happens with this disease in a nutshell is that, you know, your brain, you don't even think about it. It tells you to swallow food. Well, all of a sudden, that, that stops. You can't make yourself swallow anymore. So that means you can't eat. So she made reference to a feeding tube. And this has happened in a very short amount of time, sadly, for her. It took him a long time uh, before he had to go into a wheelchair. But what I'm getting at here is, is, is that they're all of a sudden where your insurance, your insurance is not helping pay for you redoing your bathroom or being able to put ramps up to your house. If you've ever been to Fairfax, where the, the tell camps make their home, 
most of those homes are older, you know, smaller homes that sit up three or four steps as you walk up to the front door. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about ramps and you're talking about wheelchairs. It costs tens of thousands of dollars. You're talking about uh, a van to be able to get her to her doctor's appointments or to get her to go do something that can bring some joy in her day. And look, there are lots of people that are in bad situations. There's no doubt about that. I just happen to know this family. So I'm grateful that they were able to come on today. I thank you guys for setting everything up there. If there's anything, like I said, you can do to help. I know everything's more expensive these days. I mean, good Lord, you walk into a grocery store and you used to walk out of there and it cost you 60, 70 bucks. Now it's costing you 130. <clears throat> um, but um, this family could use your help if you're able to do it. And again, if it's only just your prayers, that's more than enough to. Uh, but we have a donor that any amount of money we raise up to $7,000 will match that. Uh, if we were to get up to uh, 7000 somehow, some way, uh, along with that match, that would buy him the van. And, and I talked to Dan a long time about this van because going back to Graham Harden, uh, his family had to go out and buy a van. This is the stuff insurance doesn't pay for. Um, what happens is oftentimes... Uh, if you're diagnosed like she is, um, they'll put you in contact, they, the ALS Foundation, with maybe a family who just lost a loved one that had to go out and buy a van. And so then you, you, know, you basically kind of recirculate these things. Unfortunately, um, right now, they're just not unavailable. None. I mean, he's tried from coast to coast um, to try to find one and can't. And there's only one company uh, right here in town uh, that makes those vans, but they ain't cheap. Um, and so that's where they are on that, uh, along with so many other things. And again, this guy's not printing money. I can promise you that, uh, and never has been printing money. So uh, thank you to everybody out there. Um, whatever it is you've been able to do, thank um, Sir Boy Wonder and Brian and yep. Poofy Haired Fancy Boy and uh, Lure Up and, and Trace and, and everybody else, Jordan. Uh, USA veteran retired uh, and so many others who have been kind enough to Everett to help out with this cause here today and and hopefully it turns out to be a um, a great day our boss Trace Fowler said he'll he'll commit chatterbox sports will commit ten dollars for for every single like that this live stream gets so we currently are at 50 likes it's five hundred dollars keep liking it if you already haven't liked it that's ten more dollars that that chatterbox will donate to uh, to help the family that's very gracious. Very, very gracious indeed. All right, look, this is a sports show. It's nice to step out of the box a little bit, especially to bring you stories like that. We have Seth Davis coming up at 1130. You see Seth all the time. Uh, you know, Sports Illustrated, their lead college basketball writer. He's uh, written numerous books uh, about sports. Uh, his most recent book is about Sister Jean. Remember her? Yeah, yeah. Lo Loyola Marymount. That was one of the great stories. It's great. Loyola, Chicago. They made the NCAA. Well, they get to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, something like that. Did they, they make it all the way, way to the Final the, Four? Did, did they make it all the way to, to the Final Four? I'll I mean, they up. made a big time run. The Ramblers. The Ramblers. I'm wondering if they did make it to they the Final Four. They made final. it to the Elite Eight Elite and eight. the Final Four. No, final Four back in 2018. 
Okay, and she was with him right on the bench every step of the way. Every step of the She's way. She's 90-something years old, I think, now. And so after that story captivated the country, um, Seth Davis decides to write uh, a book about that whole journey uh, through the eyes of Sister Jean. We'll talk to him a little bit about that today, and we'll talk about Xavier, about Kentucky, uh, and about you know the NCAA tournament, uh, or some of these, these conference tournaments. Um, and... You know, you heard Coach Horn make reference a minute ago. Uh, I asked him, remember Wright State? Heck, I went up to the game last year on a whim. Uh, my wife and son and I decided, let's go up. My wife's a Notre Dame alum, and, and we decided, let's go up there to Dayton and watch that play-in, those play-in games last year, which were just unbelievable. That Notre Dame-Rutgers game was just off the charts. But Wright State was the Horizon League Conference Tournament champion. And they wound up getting sent uh, to the, to the play-in game, uh, basically, on the, it's not their home floor. They play at the Cutter Center, I think it's called, right? Uh, the Nutter Center. No, I mean, the Nutter Center. The Nutter yeah, Center, yeah. And, uh, and, um, and, but, but, I mean, it was clearly a right state crowd. They won that game and went off to the NCAA tournament in the field of 64. I'd find it very hard to believe if Northern Kentucky ends up in that play-in. Would you? So I don't think they're going to be playing. At current, according to bracket, bracket Matrix, they are currently the, the top 16 seed, which would allude that they'd play the worst, um, the worst number one seed. So they're currently not going to be in the playing game. I, I can't see it. Paul would know more about this. They're too good of a team to be in that playing game, yeah. although they typically like – to draw attendance to that playing game. So they might, because NKU's more local, they might put them in there just to sell a few more tickets. But they are they're better than that play-in game. So we'll see what happens. They might they, they could play themselves, depending on what other brackets, if there's upsets and, and other conference tournaments, they could see themselves go jump up to a 15 seed, which would be infinitely better playing the two seeds. I, I think they have a legitimate chance to be a 15 seed. Yeah, they're going to need a couple upsets probably to happen. Some teams that you're not currently you know, projecting to win their, their, some of these smaller conferences and having, similar to NKU, uh, a four or five seed make a run and then get that automatic bid from, you know, some like the Sun Belt, the, the, the Patriot League, and the yeah. Big Sky, the, those different kind of conferences. Well, after Northern Kentucky won last night, I don't know how much stock you put in Joe Lenardi. I think the guy seems like a great dude. He obviously works really, really hard. Sure. I absolutely. mean, he's on it. He's updating all the time, uh, bracketology. Uh, and his latest after the games were played last night uh, does not have NKU playing in Dayton. Um, you know, what you basically have there is you have four number 11 seeds, right, uh, that would be at-large bids. And then you have four 16 seeds. And the 16 seeds clearly play against each other. There are two of those games. And then there's two games where 11 seeds play against each other. Right now that he updated late last night after the Northern Kentucky win, he had Southeast Missouri State um, against – who is this? I'll pull this up right now. Who is FDU? Is that Fairleigh Dickinson? Fairleigh Dickinson, thank you. And, and the only reason Fairleigh Dickinson is in, they lost to Merrimack last night. The only reason they're in is because of the Correct. conversion going from D2 to D1. Merrimack can't get in yet. Um, so you have Southeast Missouri State against uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. And then in the other 16-16 game, you have Howard against Alcorn State. Now those teams officially have not won their conference tournaments right. yet. Let me... 
Tom, we've had this discussion, I think, on Box Lunch. I don't know if you've had this talk in here. There's, there's been a push to make those first four games up in Dayton be all 11 seeds. So just have all the at-large teams. That way, it, it's, it's two-pronged. These teams that actually win their conference get to play an actual tournament game. Yep. Granted, against a one seed, but they actually get to play. They're not playing into the tournament. They actually are in the tournament. And then on top of it, you get very good 11 seed games. You get four of them as opposed to just two of them. Are you? Would you prefer to see there be more you know, 11s versus 11s? Or do you like the way it currently is where there's two 11s and then two 16 t seeds playing each other? Well, I understand Seth has joined us a little early. Is that right? Okay, well, let's ask him. Hey, this is a real pleasure to have Seth Davis here on. I mean, you see his good-looking mug there on CBS and TNT and TBS and Turner for the basketball tournament. Man, you're getting ready to start a crazy time right now, Seth. It's, uh, you know what? Haven't worked a day in my life, Tom, as you know, and I'm not breaking my streak with this interview. Amen. Amen. We're really grateful and, and appreciate your time. We were just talking a second ago there about some of the conversation about the play-in games in Dayton, because as you know, right across the river uh, from Cincinnati here is Northern Kentucky, just won the Horizon League Conference Tournament Championship last night. They're off to the NCAA Tournament. Last year, the Horizon League champion wound up playing in Dayton, Wright State, where they won a game. Uh, th there's been some chatter about maybe not asking those 16 seeds to play up there and have that thing loaded up with 11s and 12s. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, well, of course, first of all, we call it the opening round, not forgive the play-in game. Forgive me, forgive that's, me. Okay, all right, opening round. And that, is, that, is what, that is what it is. And by the way, you know, the financials of the NCAA tournament, Tom, I don't know how many people realize this, that uh, for each game that a team plays, their conference gets what's called a unit, which is, I think it's a seven-figure payout over X number of years, maybe even higher than that. So it does give all those uh, teams an opportunity to get an extra unit uh, particularly for those 16 seeds, that can really be very helpful. Um, look, you're 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 a TV guy, so you understand how this business works. The idea that you're going to take, uh, you know, instead of four potentially marquee teams, remember uh, a couple years ago, Michigan State and UCLA played in the round in the first four. UCLA ended up going to the final four, which is actually quite interesting because people dismiss these games. Uh, I think 2012, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 2014 was the first year they had uh, the first four. We've had two teams go from the first four to the final four in VCU and UCLA. So this notion that they're uh, irrelevant, I don't quite buy. But you're not going to take eight, uh, you know, quality brands, if you would, college basketball, mm -hmm. try to make Tuesday and Wednesday better at the expense of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It doesn't make much sense. I actually have advocated, um, most people don't, follow my opinion so it hasn't gotten any traction because people talk about well you know putting the at-larges in there or I've actually advocated instead of having the 11 seeds play each other and the 16 seeds play each other have the 11 play the 16 four times because now you're getting four bites at the Cinderella apple uh you know do you have that intrigue of you know the school from the smaller conference getting a mm -hmm. chance to play in Michigan or UCLA. So, um, look, these games, I've, 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 I've been in the studio um, working those nights. I'll be there again in Atlanta. Uh, I'm telling you, the games between the 16 seeds in the first four have been some of the best games in the tournament. That is their Super Bowl. They're on, they're, it's the only games that are on at that time. They get a chance to play uh, on Thursday or Friday, and the games are awesome. 
I'm with you on that 11-16 thing. I love that idea. All right. Um, you know, we were talking, uh, speaking of Cinderella stories, I mean, uh, I'm not sure there's been a better one, VCU or UCLA included. Um, and, and you just recently uh, have a book out now about Sister Jean and that run by Loyola. Uh, it's called Wake Up With Purpose. Where did this idea come from? What made you think? We all saw her on television. You were there as part of the broadcast. But you, you're, you're seeing her uh, over and over and over and over again, but I don't think anybody ever got sick of her. How did this start, and then how did it finish? What was it like to do it? Well, I've told her I want to finish it with her getting a bat mitzvah, so I'm still working on that. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it came from my, you know, addled brain um, as a writer, as an author. You know, sometimes people say to authors, like, you know, how do you get your ideas? Um, for me, I just have so many more ideas than time uh, to write books. It obviously takes a long time to write a book. But it really just came from her. Uh, I didn't know her at all. Um, and just thinking like, boy, I bet she's got a great story. You know, I mean, she's been around a long time and um, not only has done some things, but, you know, the wisdom that somebody accrues by being on the planet for that long um, was something that I, I really thought would be cool to tap into. But I kind of, well, I got, you know, too many other things. And it's just one of those things that just wouldn't let go uh, of, of my head. So um, Porter Mosier uh, was kind enough to put us in touch a couple of years ago. And, you know, she'd been asked many times to write a book and she's, her answers was always the same. I know because I'm too busy and she is very busy, but uh, I guess I wore her down with my persistent charm. Um, and I said, well, let's just, I said, all you gotta do is talk and I'll do the writing and then we'll go over it. And once we got going, Tom, she loved, you know, she's talking about things over the course of her life that she hasn't talked about in a very, very long time, or maybe even thought about in a very long time. So she enjoyed the reminiscences. Um, she enjoyed the writing process. There's nothing this woman likes more than to have a big stack of paper in front of her so she can make corrections by hand on spelling and grammar and usage. Uh, she's very involved all the way through. She's 103, God bless her. And um, she's more mentally sharp and active than you or me or anybody that we know. So she's, she, she's a real gift from God. And uh, as, as I've said, I think we, we, we wrote a nice book, but the best part is I made a really good friend. Yeah, yeah. That's always the best part indeed. Um, all right, let, let, let's zero in here on a couple of things with the tournament. We start with Xavier. Uh, they lose Zach Fremantle for the final nine games of the regular season. They continue to play very, very well. Had a couple of big wins on the road late inside the Big East Conference. Uh, but now they know he's not coming back. They had hoped he would. Uh, when you look at this Xavier team, they're the number two seed in the Big East Conference Tournament. Knowing what we know now, no Fremantle the rest of the way. Um, when you look at them, does it change where you might think about seeding them? Or might some of that be dependent upon how they do in the Big East Conference Tournament? Um, I would say both. I mean, it could certainly marginally affect their seed. Um, the way this usually tends to work is if they have demonstrated that they are a different team or a significantly worse team without that player, then it's more likely to affect their seed. It doesn't affect us about whether they get in or not, and clearly they're by, by far in. Um, so if they go, you know, if they lose early, um, they lose to, you know, Georgetown or DePaul or St. John's in their first game, I don't know who they're playing. Um, then I think the committee could say, well, it's not just that the loss brings them down, but this is kind of who they are. But they, you know, they've played very well without him. I'm actually a little bit surprised. Um, maybe I shouldn't be knowing Sean, but uh, I'm surprised they're playing as well as they are without him. 
Um, I do think that, you know, long-term for the tournament, you know, personally, and I'm, I'm wrong, you know, every few years about um, my, my predictions. Most of them, I have a very, very high percentage of my predictions coming true. Once in a while, I get them wrong. I, I would not anticipate Xavier making, uh, you know, a deep run without right. Fremantle. It's, it's not just losing what he brings you, but it now becomes a depth issue. You have yep. much less margin for error for injury, foul trouble, fatigue. Um, you know, especially when you get into that second week, when you're talking about, I mean, even the first week, you're playing two tough games in three days. They don't do that during the regular season. And by the time you get there, everybody's gassed anyway. So, you know, in some ways it might be better for them to go out early in the Big East tournament and just kind of, you know, keep their legs fresh for the stretch run. But I'm disappointed mostly for Fremantle because he's a fantastic player and obviously wants to be out there right now. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky, another team that has a huge following here in the greater Cincinnati area. I mean, most people were writing them off three, four weeks ago. All of a sudden, Cal gets it going, starts telling everybody nobody wants to play us. I'm not sure anybody was buying that. There were probably a lot of teams that wanted to play him. I'm not so sure who wants to play him right now. Do you think that they are now uh, a solid lock and they're playing for a better seed in the SEC tournament? Well, they're definitely a lock for the for the NCAA's. I mean, the big question for me right now is is Case and Wallace. Is is, is he ready to go? Um, you know, I think one of the things that happened with with Kentucky, and I, I I try to say this sensitively, understanding we're talking about college kids, but they've had a couple of injuries um, to guys who I think actually helped because it forced Calipari to shorten his rotation. He's basically playing five, maybe six, six guys. Um, and he's got the right five in there. And it's really a, a defensive thing because when you have Cason Wallace, who's a freshman, Chris Livingston, who's a freshman, um, they're going to make freshman mistakes, particularly at the offensive end. But defensively, those guys really add a lot. I mean, they're big, long athletes. They're, they're really hard to score against. Um, and then I think that Calipari's, you know, tinkered with how he, he's using Oscar Shibway. He's bringing him away from the basket offensively. That's opening things up a little bit. So, um, you know, I mean, they, they were able to um, win at Arkansas without uh, Case and Wallace. Arkansas is a pretty good team. I mean, they, they, they yep. struggled in their young injuries and blah, blah, blah. But Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas really needed to win that game. And it was in Bud Walton Arena. And Kentucky didn't have their starting point guard. And they, could, they didn't just win the game. They controlled the game. That tells you something about this team. I think they're mentally tough. I think they've been through a lot. I, you know, I may have questioned this team and doubted this team. I have never for one second doubted John Calipari's coaching ability. I felt like the talent on this team wasn't as good as it's been, and, and they were young at, at in some spots. And I do think that his blind spot, and, and maybe this isn't a bad blind spot, is that he cares so much about his players that he gives guys minutes that, frankly, they're not earning. And so the injuries forced that off the table and um, – yeah, they're playing well. I mean, no one, no one's going to be psyched to be seeing Kentucky against the, their yep. favorite team in the bracket. I promise you that. Well, you know, you talk about guys getting minutes, and, and you wonder how much they deserve getting them. Uh, you know, you, you're a Duke alum. Uh, you follow the ACC very closely. Um, I'm not sure there has been a bigger disappointment, at least up till now, and you know where I'm going with this, is North Carolina. Uh, a year ago, they did not have a great regular season. They turn it on in the postseason. Uh, they get all the way to the national championship game, and basically you got a ton of dudes coming back, and it has not gone well. Does North Carolina have to win the tournament to get in? And, and then in addition to that, 
Um, what do you make of what's gone on at North Carolina? Well, first of all, I do think they have to win the ACC tournament to get in. If you, if you look at their resume, um, it just I think they right now they still only have one quad one win. Um, I mean, a team like Wisconsin, last I checked, they have six, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just hard. And, and the problem is in the ACC tournament, it's not easy to get quad run wins because, um, you know, a lot of the teams are not ranked high enough. I think if they actually, I guess they play, if they win their first game, then they play Virginia. That's a right. quad one game. So if they lose that one, it's not even, it's literally not a conversation. If they beat Virginia, then they would play either NC State or Clemson. And even though Clemson is the higher seed, Virginia is higher in the net. Uh, NC State is higher in the net, so that's the better opponent. Um, so now you're up to three quad win, one uh, wins. I think they're three and nine in quad one going into the final. And whoever, if they lose that, obviously if they win, it's not a conversation. If they lose that one, so I think it's tough. I th I would highly recommend winning the ACC tournament. As for what's gone wrong, I mean, first of all, I think all of us, myself included, really underestimated the role that Brady Manick played. Um, in their run to the championship game. If you recall, Tom, they were winning huge over Baylor in their second round game. I think they may have been up 24-26 right around there. Manic got ejected for a flagrant two foul uh, at a certain point in the second half, and they ended up winning in overtime. So they blew a 20-plus point lead to Baylor just because Manic wasn't there. So they lost Manic and they brought in this guy, Pete Nance, who's a transfer from Northwestern, kind of a similar big guy who can shoot stretch four mold, but he's not as good as Manic. He's just not. And so we, we very much underestimated that. And then look, I think the NC tournament is very capricious. You look at Caleb Love. He had three of the best halves that anyone's ever had in the history of that tournament. I think he's high 20s or 30 mm -hmm. points. I think he scored 30 points in the second half against UCLA in the Sweet 16, and that was a close game. They were losing with two minutes to go. So they're down two minutes to go against UCLA. Then they get St. Peter's in the Elite Eight, which was kind of a freebie. And then, of course, they beat Duke and and and, and blew a big lead. So it's just they call the lightning in a bottle. And then now get everybody back. Now you've got NIL. Now you've got agents. Now you've got people trying to – look, those guys don't come back if the NBA wants them. They're not coming back to win a championship for Old State U. So um, just hasn't worked. I mean, just hasn't worked. They, they don't. They don't really have anyone on that team except maybe Leaky Black, who's their glue guy, non-shooter. They don't really have anyone who makes other other guys better. Davis and Love are volume shooters, and they have a big guy in Baycott who needs the ball in the post, and they don't throw it in the post. So it's been a. It's just been a tough season. It's been a perfect storm, and you know we'll see what happens during the ACC tournament. But you know at some point. You know, Hubert Davis is is doing uh, some great work on the recruiting trail. Um, they need to turn over this roster and start fresh. And in North Carolina, between the recruiting and the transfer portal, you can reload very quickly. And I All believe right, in Hubert Davis. I think he's a good coach. All right, last thing I want to ask you, uh, as you look at yep. these conference tournaments coming up over the weekend, is there one particular conference, one particular team or two you're really watching this weekend? Well, one of the things that you watch for are, are the proverbial bid thieves, um, where you have a situation like in Conference USA, Florida Atlantic has sewn up, in my mind, uh, an at-large bid. So if somebody else wins that league tournament, um, then that eats up an at-large bid for the North Carolinas, the Wisconsin's, the Rutgers, Michigan's of, of the world. Um, and then I think also in the Mountain West, could be anywhere from a two-bid league to a five-bid league with the at-larges, 
uh, probably ends up somewhere in between. But, you know, uh, you have New Mexico in that conference. Uh, the conference tournament's being held in, in uh, Las Vegas. Does UNLV make a run? Um, UCLA uh, is not at full strength in, in the Pac-12 without Jalen Clark. Does that open up something in the, in the, where Washington State uh, could maybe do that and, and get, the, get the automatic bid but would, would not otherwise qualify for an at-large. So that kind of that kind of trims the field. You know, aside from that, you know, the, the mid-major conferences are so much fun to watch. I'm a big Oral Roberts guy. I'm telling everybody right now, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go in hard on them on, on the selection show. We'll see who they're matched up against. Uh, a team like Drake out of the Missouri Valley has uh, sewn up their bid. Uh, Northern Kentucky in, in your area, Darren Horn getting that done again. So um, I, I would recommend to people, the power conference tournaments are fun and interesting and all that. Watch these mid-major, low-major uh, tournament finals. You will see athletic effort, elation, and devastation in its, mo in its purest form. It's, it's, it's really... Uh, in, in many ways, it's 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 almost better than what happens next week. Although it's next week is just more better, bigger, every, every stage. So I know everybody's excited, and uh, and so am I. Seth, we can't thank you enough for your time. I know you're getting ready to go catch a plane and get out of town. So thank you so much. I I just love how you just so frequently, yet so elegantly and so kindly all the time remind people in the world of hate out there of Twitter to please be kind. You share that all the time. You're a kind man and, 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 and just such a sweet heart of a guy. All the best to you and your Thank family. You. Good luck in a tournament. Have some fun. You just ruined my reputation, but I appreciate that. And, uh, the, world, the, the world needs uh, more kindness, and I, I, regret, I regret the times when I, I failed to, to meet that standard, but um, standards are good, and we should always strive. So Amen. I appreciate that. Amen. All the best, Seth. Take care of yourself. Thank you for your okay. time. Thanks, pal. All right. Seth Davis, kind enough to join us. What a good dude. The best. He's on his game, man. He's the best, Tom. I mean, he's on his game. He sits in there, and, and, and I mean, he knows what's going on. You know, it's funny. Sir Boy Wonder has been chirping for three weeks about Oral Roberts. He has been. I mean, I don't know what his tie is to Oral Roberts. I don't know if he just watches Oral Roberts. I don't know. Sir Boy, maybe you can help us on the chat here. They score a lot of points, and they're they're sitting right around that 12 seed. And what's everyone doing? They fill out their brackets. All oh, one 12 seed is going to beat a five seed, and they're looking at you know if they get San Diego State, uh, Iowa State, they can win a game. They can make a little bit of a run. Oral Roberts, they score a lot of points. They're a very fun team to watch. A lot uh, of fun. Sir Boy Wonders ch chirping right here in the chat right now. He says, "I have always liked Oral Roberts." Yes, Max Abrams. He's a baller. Is that, so is that a name we should be keeping an eye on? Do you know that name? Tom, I have not a single idea who Max Abrams is. I, I, I check the scores on Oral Roberts. I don't watch them. Okay. But I know they put up a lot of points. Right. That would be, be a Paul question. Okay. All right. Um, we'll ask Paul about Yeah, because he stays up all hours of the night watching this stuff. Uh, Trace Fowler says he's a really good guard. Trace is another guy. Probably has money on Oral Roberts all the time. Doesn't sound like our boss, Trace. Not at all. Casey, you back to uh, gambling again or no? No, I'm not. I've been out of the game. And I've been wrong a lot on this. Like, our, our daily pick on well, this I show mean, you two guys been have bad. been brutal. It's been brutal. Oh, two, us two guys. You're not talking about me. Paul. Yeah. Forgive me, Reed. Thank you. I beg your pardon. You're right. Paul and you, Casey. Yeah. I, 
I've been cold. Ties. Tom, Tom, you want to know a real gambler's dilemma? So I'm watching the Norse last night. I have money on NKU minus two and a half. Got to oh, win by, win you're by three. You're kidding me. And I'm so happy for the Norse, but that final three going in the final seconds ruined, ruined well, they me. Missed, and they missed the free throw in front of the, the three. The front end of the one and one. Yeah. Just had to make one of them. And we'd be, we'd be sitting really gravy right now, Tom. But it's okay. Because you know why? Because the Norse are dancing, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. You can't, you can't let the gambling get in front of the sport. Yep. You got to still be a fan. Yeah, but, but, but look, I'm not a gambler. I've had every other vice known to man. So I'm not judging anybody or looking down on anybody in any form or fashion. But there's no way it can be fun. There, I, I, I'm asking this. I'm not going to make it in a statement. Can it really be fun if you're rooting for somebody like Northern Kentucky, case in point last night, since right. you just brought it up, but you know that you have a chance to lose money if they can't cover. You just can't celebrate, or can you just celebrate the joy of them winning knowing you just lost? So on a team like NKU, who I am rooting for, but don't have a whole lot of heart into, right? Okay. It gives me a little little something extra to root for them. Now, when if, if you place a wager on, say, the Bengals, or the we'll, we'll keep it to the Bengals, and they are a touchdown favorite, and I'm sitting there like they're only winning by three, and I'm, I'm not having a good time because they're only winning by three. You can't do that. You can't put yourself in that situation. You've got you to gotta hedge your heart because you've got to be a fan first. The gambling comes second. Gotta be a fan. So does that mean you don't bet on the, on the Bengals games? If I do, it's normally on the other team. That way, if they lose, I feel I at least like – Wait, wait, wait. Back, back, back up. Back up. Give me an example of that. What, are you, okay. what does that mean? So let me – the Bengals are playing the Browns. The Bengals okay. are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Okay. I will bet on the Browns because if the Bengals win, good. If the Bengals win by three, fantastic. And even if the Browns, <laughs> and even if the Browns win outright, then I'm like, God, that stinks. But at least I made a little bit of money doing it. So you got you to hedge your heart. That's what they call that, hedging your heart. That you too, Casey? There's uh, no way the example that he just gave. He would never please bet on the tell me, Casey, based on your stink list during the football season. <laughs> yeah. Please tell me there is no way on God's green earth. There's no way that you would bet the Browns on that kind of thing that he Tom, just gave. Tom, there's no way on earth, heaven or hell that I would bet <laughs> on the Browns to win a football game. Period. End of story. They, they stink. stink. They stink. And they're ruining the NFL. They've ruined the, the Browns have ruined the, the Ravens organization by giving Deshaun Watson yeah. 250 guaranteed million dollars. They have put this idea in Lamar Jackson's head that he's going to get 250 million dollars. And rightfully so. You see someone doing, you think you're a better player than them? This guy's got 250 million dollars. I'm worth that now. But he has ruined that organization because maybe that was a goal. Right, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll ruin our program, we'll ruin our <laughs> franchise just to ruin the entire AFC North. Somebody wrote uh, that's familiar with the whole Brown situation, by the way. Mm -hmm. Someone wrote that they are in the process of restructuring three or four of their major deals that they have on that team, mm -hmm. right? Watson being one, and there are others. Uh, Miles Garrett, 
couple now, others, right? Just to just to let everyone know what restructuring means. It doesn't mean that they are renegotiating the money. It means they're pushing the money back. Right. So they are pushing the money back to other years when they restructure it. Which means today, with that goal, if they're able to accomplish those things, right? Yep. And you never know whether you can get there, whether the player will go along with it, whatever the case may be. But if they do, it would enable them to basically try to go in on what's called an all-in year. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. Try to go buy as many stars in one year as they possibly can to win a Super Bowl. We've seen, what, three teams do this in the previous years? The Rams did it last year, was successful. The Eagles kind of did it this year. I mean, they're still kind of built for, for the future, but they got to the Super Bowl. The Saints are the one that come to mind. The Saints, the Saints did, not, did not get there, but the Buccaneers did it, and they won. So, but the Saints, the Saints swung and miss. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, uh, that, that is what everyone thinks of when they think of their team going all in and restructuring and pushing all this money back. Cause look at where they're at right now. They're struggling and they might only be able to get Derek Carr in free agency. I mean, it, they, they, it, if you're all in, you are literally all in on that one year and that's it. You're, you're, you're suffering the rest of the time. So if you looked at the players that they're looking at restructuring for the Browns, it's like miles Garrett, Deshaun Watson, uh, I think Treader, or one of their offensive, yeah, yeah. one of their offensive linemen, and then I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the fourth one too. But 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 that was the premise of the yeah. idea, yeah, that and they might be doing that. It could be as much as thirty million to fifty million. I think is what I was reading that they would have in cap space, and then they're gonna go potentially go sign Jesse Bates and. Some really high other, yeah, Bobby guy. Wagner, Bobby Jalen Wagner. Ramsey, or somebody yeah. like that. Right. So the thing that I don't, I don't understand about that potential move, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to be competitive. You should always be competitive. You should always try to be going for the Super Bowl. But in the AFC, looking like it is with so many great teams—Bengals, Bills, Chiefs—do you think making a couple moves and ruining your future, ruining? three, four years down the line just to go all in for this year. Does that make a whole lot of sense? I think if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, it does. I think there are other organizations you'd say no way. But I think they look at and look no further than the contract. And let's be honest about it. Two years ago, Deshaun Watson was right in that group. Deshaun with, Watson could come back and be all the guys player. you just talked about, the Burroughs and the Holmes. I mean, he's right there. In fact, two years ago, he was ahead of Burrow. Right. Not Mahomes necessarily, but ahead of Burrow and Herbert because he had had more time in a league, an extra year or two. Mm -hmm. So I think that the Browns are looking at this thing like, you know, we've been so bad for so long. The franchise has never won a Super Bowl. Bengals haven't either, for that matter. Um and we've got some nice pieces here. If guys are willing to go along with a program and we can say to guys, hey, look, you know, you're going to get your money. You're just going to get it later, not today. And nobody's living on food stamps down there, mm -hmm. right? right? I think the average NFL salary is up over $2 million a year now. Uh, the league minimum is over 700000 Guys on the practice squad are making over 200 and something thousand. So, um, you know, I, I think you could sell it to your players. I think you could sell it to your fan base. 
there are those in the fan base, which I would assume would probably say, wait a minute, you know, we, we signed Watson to this long-term deal. So are we like all in for one year and then we know we're going to be bad again, right? And he's still hanging around, making a pile of money and we can't do anything else. But I think most Cleveland brand, Browns feel like if you I think a lot of Bengals fans, we've asked this question before, stuff like this, maybe not this. Yeah. Let me ask in the chat. Right now, if the Bengals decided to go in, all in, on stars everywhere for this coming year, don't give anybody the long-term deal. Don't get Burroughs done for a year. Don't address Higgins for a year. They don't have to address Chase for a year. We're going all in. Let those guys play on their rookie deals, right? We're going to go win a Super Bowl. And let's say you could guarantee you'd win the Super Bowl, which you can't do. But we're going all in to win it this year. But starting next year, it might be 9-7. and seven. It might be 8-8. Eight and eight, Or they play one more game. Right. It might be 10-7. and seven. Might be 9-8. and eight. Maybe getting the playoffs. Maybe a wild card. Would you do it? Um, I am on the philosophy of not doing that. Because when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to have a super team to win. That's just simple as that. But teams like the Browns, who they might feel like Deshaun Watson can't win the big game without a lot of help, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And, you know, I, in my opinion, I don't think the Bengals should do that. I think that they should build a team for the future. Even if it's guaranteed. Even if, if it's guaranteed. Think- I didn't ask if you think the Bengals should do it. I didn't ask you that. Right. I okay. asked you, would you do it? No, I would not. But Reed? if you guarantee me a Super Bowl, then it's not even a thought. Yes, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm Super Bowl championship. Yep. We'll see where the cards lay afterwards. But if you guarantee me go all in for one year and you guarantee me the Super Bowl, yeah, of course I take that. And it's not like these guys – I mean, you're, you're looking ahead where the roster is not as well built – but you're still you still got Burrow. I mean, you can still win in the future. Yeah. But if you're guaranteeing me a Super Bowl, yeah, I'm taking it every every day of the week. It's interesting. Some of the ones we had, uh, Super Bowl would be so much fun, but I can't imagine having miserable football to consume for another half decade. They had it miserable football around here for longer than that. Um, I was I was in the camp back when uh, Andy Dalton was at the end of his tenure here. And we were talking like, stop sitting, start sitting Andy Dalton so we can get the one seed. Start sitting Andy Dalton so we can start losing ball games. I was like, no, we gotta. I want to. I, I sit down and I watch them every Sunday. I want to see competitive football. And boy, am I glad that they stunk and we got Joe Burrow. It worked out. It worked out. It worked out. Uh, you know, we're we're we're, we're covering uh, one extreme to the other on here. You know, Trace points out, you take the Super Bowl. Everybody thought when Brett Favre walked out, you know, the knock on Favre in Green Bay is he only won one Super Bowl. Well, Rodgers takes over, wins one Super Bowl, and hadn't won one since. You thought they were going to win three or four Super Bowls with Rodgers and all those players around him. Now things are falling apart at the seams. And I want to get to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for me, I guess it just depends on how long I'm going to be in the gutter. Kind of what Everett just pointed out I didn't say the gutter. I know. I'm, I'm saying if I go all in on one year, 
and you tell me that I'm going to be at the bottom of the AFC North for three or four years, I wouldn't take that deal. You give me a year or two, okay, I'll think about it. That 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 would be something I would entertain. But anything longer than that, it's like, you know, that's half a half a decade, right? Ten, five years? It's, yeah, five it's, years is half that, a decade. Five is half a decade. That's, yep. Math in public. There Math you go again. So I'm I'm not I'm not all about that because that's a that's a third of someone's career, at least Burroughs. Like that just I couldn't do that. Well, you know, it's interesting that Ever points out, you you talked about Reed the Rams, right? Yeah. Okay, they won the Super Bowl. Now, there were a lot of, you know, mitigating circumstances which led to them just completely falling apart this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Stafford was hurt, offensive lines hurt, Whitworth retires. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on, right? But, and I mean, it was ugly. Um, but, you know, Everett points out, says, okay, if it's like the Rams, and what you're saying, Casey, if I hear you right, if it completely disintegrates, you're not going to do it. But if the next year you went nine and seven, you do it. Absolutely. It's if you win the big one, I'm cool with stinking for the next next deck. I don't even care. Like if you win the big one, you get a hanger hat. Listen, you're you're talking to a Cubs fan here. I know. <laughs> I'm talking to a Cubs fan here. The big one is all that matters. And if you could promise me that, it's not even I don't even take a second thoughts consideration. Give See, I'm one. old enough to remember, and you guys are not. I'm old enough to remember because I was covering the team working at Channel 5 at the time, uh, right out of college. Mm -hmm. Everybody around here, and I'm telling you right now, that Bengals 88 and 89 team would have hammered that Bengals team right now. You think so? Would have hammered them. No way. I'm telling you right now. I guess you, you were That Bengals both. team... You're talking about an offensive line. I mean, here we are wondering about, you know, who's a left tackle, who's a right tackle. When you lined up that offensive line, you had two to three pro bowlers every year. Greatest left tackle in Never the did. history of the game. One of the top 10, 12 guards, two of them, in Lapham and Montoya. You had a Pro Bowl center. You had a stud at right tackle. You didn't have one. You didn't have two. You had three great running backs. All very different and dynamic. Brooks, the greatest running back the franchise has ever had. By far. Icky Woods, touchdown machine. Stanley Wilson, what he brought to the offense. Wide receivers in Collinsworth and Tim McGee and on and on and Eddie Brown. I mean, believe me, that team would have beaten this team now. They had a quarterback in Boomer Esiason, who at the time was considered to be one of the three, four, five top mm -hmm. quarterbacks in the league. MVP. Now, maybe not as high a ceiling as Joe Burrow. I'll give a slight edge to Burrow there. But Boomer was right there. Everybody thought around here, me included, that they were going to go back year after year after year, right? Win the AFC championship, lose the heartbreaker to the Niners. You're thinking all the bands put together again next year. Here we go. Never even sniffed second round of the playoffs. 
Tom, can I ask you a question? Because yeah. obviously I wasn't around in, in the 80s. Did Boomer and Ken breathe the same amount of confidence in the fans no that question. Joe Burrow has? No question. It was, it was a similar feeling? It was a different relationship. Boomer, Boomer is a lightning rod kind of a guy. And you got to remember, you know, one of the things that happened, um, I'm not going to say over the long haul it soured the fans, but when the strike occurred in football and they had replacement players, okay, mm-hmm. I was down there at Spinney Field covering that whole thing. And there was an incident down there where Boomer's best friend on the team was Dave Remington, the center, okay? I mean, tell you how good again. How good was the offensive line? The best center in college football is given what trophy every year? I don't know that. The Remington Award. Okay? All right. So, So, I mean, you know, you're talking about that's your center. Okay? And he was a hell of a player out of Nebraska. That's when Nebraska was Nebraska. But there was an incident down there that was caught on videotape. I don't know who taped it, but it was caught on videotape where the replacement players are driving in and like we see oftentimes where you have a union that's on strike or getting locked out and you're bringing in replacement players in this case workers whatever the case may be and remington holds a key to scratch the car of a replacement player driving into the complex now that whole thing was really ugly and look, they were young. I mean, I, I'm not excusing Dave Remington for doing it, but he, he, these were 24-year-old, 23-year-old men and felt very strongly about their jobs and, and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But it, it – and then Boomer's personality, he's a New York guy, yep. right? Outspoken, articulate, good-looking, gamer, tough, made mistakes, made great plays. Um, Burrow is much more detached, I think. He's quiet, great leader, unassuming, mm-hmm. um, but, 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 but so far, and it may change, and you could say the same thing about Joey Votto just until recently, right? right. Very detached from the fan base. Mm-hmm. Boomer was in your face with the fan base, right? right? Good, bad, or indifferent. So it was a uniquely different relationship that Boomer Esiason had with Bengals fans than Joe Burrow currently has with Bengals fans. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. I just, I've never, obviously I haven't been around a whole lot, especially here in this town when I wasn't here in the 70s when the Big Red Machine, I wasn't here in the 80s when the Bengals are very good. So it is a new experience with how much confidence one person has given this entire city. And I yes. know there's a lot of great players around him, but Joe Burrow has just gave an overwhelming confidence to this entire fan base to this entire city people who don't give a rat's behind about football know who joe burrow is right. in this town so i i was just interested to see what it was like from someone who, who covered the team back in the late 80s to see just the difference in in what joe burrow and, I, and i'd be interested to see if i i can't imagine how much confidence the big red machine gave this town Compared to Joe Burrow. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that was that was just a whole different animal. I mean, good Lord. You know, I mean, Four Hall were, of Famers. Well, I mean, I remember being at a game. Uh, we had just moved to Cincinnati. 
And I remember being in a game down there at Riverfront Stadium, and, and, and they were down like seven runs in the seventh inning, eighth inning, something like that. can't remember who was in against. I can still picture uh, the game. And next thing you know, they get four. They get one in the ninth. Perez comes up, pow, three-run homer, game over. And you're just going, oh. I mean, you know, it's just like teams had no chance. I mean, they were 75 and 25 after 100. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's big league. That's pretty good. That's big uh, interesting league. comments here in the chat. Uh, you know, Jordan points out, and this is true, Joe is quintessentially cool. That's why they call him Joe Cool, right? Whatever right. they call him. What, what's interesting? He's just cool. What, what's Boomer inter- was more edge. Edgy? A lot more edge. The, what's interesting about Joe is we live in a time now where you have so many more opportunities to be in the media. You can go on these podcasts, which That's he does right. with, with Colin. And, but he, he really holds public appearances to a minimum. He doesn't go out in public a whole lot. He's not in the public sphere a whole lot other than his weekly press conference, other than when he talks to Colin Cowherd once a week. Other than that, you don't, you don't hear about Joe Burrow. No. You don't, you don't see videos of him partying downtown. You don't, you don't hear any of that. No. He's very much out of the public's eye. And he is cool. No, there's no question he's cool. And he's got a beautiful heart. And, and Boomer does, too. Uh, Boomer's a good man. Uh, and, and, and all the stuff he's done for cystic fibrosis, his son Gunner, uh, and all the great work that they have done uh, to raise awareness for that. And, you know, Boom, Boomer, uh, now I don't know Boomer well. I know him a little bit. But I marvel at this guy's, I mean, you talk about a grinder. This guy is a grinder at 60-whatever years old that he is. I mean, he doesn't need the money. Right, right, but I mean, he's getting up every morning, three thirty in the morning, going in doing a radio show in New York every day on morning drive time from whatever it's on six to nine or whatever in the morning. Then every weekend during the football season, he's doing that CBS Today show, you know, the 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 the, the pregame show. Um, guy's a grinder, man. I got a lot of respect for the dude. Like I said, I I'm not a friend of his, uh, but I just got a lot of respect for him. Because there are very few former great players in any sport that I would describe in their post their post playing life. A lot of guys work hard, but 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 there there are very few guys grinding like Boomer Esiason's grinding. Um, are you guys doing box lunch today? Uh, we we have a very depleted roster. Trace is out of town. Paul's out of town. So it'd just be me and Casey. So we're gonna punt on box lunch today. Okay. Okay. Do we have a um, UDF cherry on top today? Yes, we do. All right. What do we have here? Well, as we were sitting here during the show, the numbers for... Ooh, I can't wait to see this. For uh, Sam just kept growing and growing, and I think we had about... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was around 9,000 before the show started. Yeah, it was roughly around 9,000. And now we're at $14,928. That is unbelievable. Incredible. And, and you see uh, you see some of the names right there. And this is just from us being on live. 
because we do far greater numbers, Casey, help me here. We do far greater numbers um, even on our podcast, people down, downloading, right? Yep. Um, sometimes it's all about getting that message out to the right person. Um, I saw that there was a large donation by someone. Um, I don't know if they, I, I'll, I'll refrain from saying their name, but it is public there on their website if you guys want to look at it. But someone did make a large well, if donation. If it's public, then who is it? It's Juliet. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Tissit uh, or Tissot or. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if. Successful you... businesswoman here in town. Yes. $5,000 donation during the show. That's unbelievable. Juliet, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, that is just so very, very kind. Uh, her son is in the, the whole uh, uh, broadcast world with us. Um, he's, um, he runs all the video operations for Alabama football. Pretty good gig. That's, a, that's pretty good. While he's a student, by the way. It's a great gig. Yeah, great gig. Absolutely. We're uh, talking to him, in fact, about an internship. Oh, really? Uh, so, uh, Juliet, thank you. Um, and thank all of you. Uh, because his family, like I said, one more time, and we'll put up uh, where you can do it, Casey, if we're able to do that one more time, um, where you can um, um, donate. And we, we said that whatever we raise today, uh, that I have a donor that would match up to 7,000 bucks. So let's just say we started at nine and let's give it a day or two here to see where we go on downloads and all that kind of thing, right? Yep. Okay, let's see where we go. Um, and then, uh, you know, w whatever the match is, the match is. So if we raise, we've already raised at least six if we raise another thousand bucks, then we've raised 14 on a 30 minute interview on a show. Incredible. And not to mention Chatterbox is going, if you haven't liked the video yeah. already, please like the video. Uh, we're going to donate $10 for every single like that this, this live stream gets. We're currently at 62. So if you haven't liked it, please just like it. About to be 63. There you go, Casey. All right, do you guys have any picks for tonight? Have you thought of one, Reed, since you're sitting in the catbird seat? Well, at, we got games all day, Tom. I know we do. We got games starting here at noon. We've got Sy the Syracuse Orange versus the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Yep. Deacons are favored by three points. Take the Deacons. Ooh, I like it. Right. That's oh. in Greensboro, not far from um, – why am I drawing a blank on where their school is? I don't is? know where Wake Forest is. I, mean, I'm I can't believe I've been there a thousand times. Uh, go ahead. Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem, thank you. Oh, um, I'm going to go with the Cavs tonight. God, you keep going back to the NBA. I, You're having no <laughs> luck there, and you keep going back to the well. I need to keep my nose to the grindstone, so then when I do decide to come back, I can be on my game. It's a long time till football season. All right, so on. what's the Cavs bet? What is it? Two and a half. They're favored? No, they're they're underdogs. Against who? Miami Heat. Okay. So uh, you're taking the Cavs minus two and a half. Plus. I mean, two plus and two and a half. Yep. Forgive me. Demon Deacons favored against the Orange, Tom. I, I believe it. I don't think anybody's rooting for Bayheim anymore. No. No, I don't think so. He's got to be out of there. All right. Um, uh, you know, obviously lots of tournament action. We'll be covering the next couple of days. Hearing from Paul Fritchmer from the Big East Conference Tournament starting tomorrow. 
Uh, I can't thank all of you enough uh, for your generosity today, even if your generosity comes in the form of prayer or just thinking about the Telcamp family. Um, I can't thank you enough. Casey, thanks for everything. Reed, thanks for everything. Uh, by the way, I, I, I got a ton of comments earlier about the tie. Do we stay with a tie or no? It looks great. It looks great on That's you, That's not what I asked you. I wasn't looking for compliments. I liked, I liked, uh, I liked the sportswear that you wore yesterday. You wore a Bengals. Was Bengals it pullover. Bengals pullover, maybe. You like that look a little better. I, I think you mix it up. I don't think we have yeah. to be fully Huggy Bear, and I don't think we have to be full shirt and tie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think we mix it up. Yeah, okay. just mix it up every once in a while. All right, mix it up. Well, we mix it up today. But, uh, I'll get and, you a Xavier hoodie. And that was for the Telcam. <laughs> okay, Jolly Jolly says no tie, keep it cash. And he, he's got some clout on this show. He does. He does. Thank all of you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for watching us. Uh, thanks for all your donations. Um, and thanks for all your support. We'll see you tomorrow. Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great Wednesday.